Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And our guest today is Laura Laban. She is the founder of the Culinary Center of Kansas City. And some people around here know her as the main dish. I'm going to let Laura tell you her entrepreneurial story, but just a couple of key points here. First of all, she grew up in a small German community in Missouri, and that's where she developed her passion for the culinary arts, just working right there alongside her grandmother while sitting on the kitchen counter. But then she went on to practice corporate securities and public finance law for 18 years, but that culinary Uh, craving, I guess you could say, was so strong that she jumped her career tracks and she opened the Career Center of Kansas City in 1998. It's enjoyed much success over the last 20-some years. They offer 600 and some cooking classes, more than 200 private interactive culinary experiences. They do team buildings every year for companies, and they also have a kitchen shop, and that features dinners on demand and now a whole product line, including the Kitchen Boa, which is now in more than 1,200 retail stores nationwide. She licensed that, and she can talk with us about that as well. You've been busy, Laura. Welcome to the show. So, Thank you very much. Yeah, I have been busy. <laughs> well, let's, let's just start at the beginning here for a little bit. I mentioned that your culinary um, interest started right there alongside your grandma, probably making cookies and pies and whatever else she was known for making. Um, tell us about how you took that and created the Culinary Center around the whole idea. Well, this is only a short program, but I'll try to I'll try to give you the the short version. Um, actually, my mom was a great cook. My grandmother was a great cook. My grandma and my aunt each owned a restaurant, and my dad was a cook in the Navy. So I grew up around food, and the German culture is also known for food. And so it's always just been a part of who I am. When I got into college, um, it was interesting because nobody else I I was around knew how to cook, so they were always at my place. Um, and then when I practiced law, I had, I had a pretty strong um, desire to become a lawyer, and uh, I really loved the practice of law, but it really never fed my entrepreneurial spirit, um, not to mention the culinary side of things. And whenever I was practicing law, I was also teaching um, kind of night classes at Penn Valley Community College in global cuisines. So I had this passion underlying all of that as well. And uh, so there was a time when I said, if I'm not going to do this now, I'm never going to do it. And I jumped off the track and started the Culinary Center um, out in downtown Overland Park. What did you originally think the Culinary Center would be? Did you think uh, back then that you were going to offer classes, uh, well, the culinary experiences with team building, for example, and that you would eventually have your own product line? Oh, no. I I just (laughs) thought it was was going to offer cooking classes to the public. I didn't see anybody else doing that outside of a retail setting. And even even in a retail setting, they were very few and far between. So I saw a need in the market. And I figured um, if I did, you know, 10 or 15 classes a month, um, I'd be fine. I knew that down the road that I had an idea about culinary team building, but 
but I didn't know when that would go into play. And I wasn't in business more than a month or two, and I got a call uh, from, from, it was actually a principal of a local school who said, would you please? And I said, no, I can't. It's, it's in my head. I don't have it on paper. So she called back about 30 days later. She said, have you put it on paper? <laughs> and uh, so I said, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to charge you, but let me try this. And we did that uh, with her. We did our first team building. It was a mystery box team building. And we still do that model to this day and uh, in addition to about 10 other models. So it's kind of it kind of took off at that point. In terms of a kitchen shop or a retail component, I purposely did not have a retail component for probably the first eight years or so. I wanted our business model to be designed around education, and I didn't want it to be confused with, let's say, a Williams-Sonoma or a Function Junction where they were right. in business to sell things. I wanted us to be about education. But naturally, you know, you start carrying books that are taught by your instructors or someone asks you for that kind of a rolling pin. And so we started doing that. And honestly, it wasn't until we expanded in 2008 um, over um, into the downtown Overland Park area or the main drag there that I really did add the retail component in a bigger way. Right, and it and it really is a, a neat space that you have. Tell us about this space. Were you were you there from the beginning? I can't recall that part of your story actually. Yes, uh, I was. Okay. Um, we actually had about four thousand square feet um, that was real more really more of a destination. Uh, you entered on the back side of the downtown area on Foster yeah. Street, and then in two thousand eight, I had the opportunity to go ahead and um, opt into um, a clause in my lease to move over and expand, so we added about 2,500 more square feet. That's when we added a second teaching kitchen and uh, event space and also our new offices in the retail area. Right, your kitchen shop. And tell us about the dinners on demand. What are they all about? Well, they are chef-prepared um, dishes that are available, that, and they change all the time. Although we do have kind of a, a list of those that folks won't let us not keep in stock. Uh, we do change it all the time. And as part of our business model, um, if we're making a, a particular uh, customized recipe for a client's event, which we do a lot, we may just go ahead and make more and put it in there so there's a constant change. And I wanted to stay in the frozen department, for, at least for the time being, because uh, I see it as a as a real um, facilitating uh, well, I guess I should say an easier way for folks at home to be able to control uh, when they want their dinners during right. the week, and it's it's worked really well. Um, but uh, that part of what we do um, is really growing right now. You mentioned, uh, you know, for some of the private dinners that you make, we hadn't talked about that. In addition to the events that you host there around the team building and, mm -hmm. and some of the lunches that you host and so forth, as a company, you also do rent out uh, events. Uh, you're an event space to a certain extent. So I've been to weddings there, for example. Absolutely. How, how um, is that part of your business? Is that a big part of it? Is that something that uh, it's an extra revenue stream, but it, it isn't the, you know, the big part of it? How does that work into things? Well, um, we are known for our creativity and our interactive cooking events. And interactive can be anything from somebody uh, helping make an appetizer at the very beginning or learning how to roll spring rolls and then going into a, a regular dinner all the way up to a full-blown hands-on your group makes everything. So it, it's, it really is a, it's a combination of a lot of different um, models within that private event space. 
we also do your your basic wedding receptions, and right. people tend to come to us because of the food. They want they really want to focus on the food, and they want a unique experience um, in a place that feels transportive. We get that a lot. Yeah, and I have to say, the place where you are, the facility that you're located in, I guess building is a better word for it, the building that you're located in, in downtown Overland Park, is just a beautiful, beautiful space. It's not some, you know, industrial-looking space. It's very historic, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of ambiance there. And then when you add the food to it and all of the wonderful people you have on staff, it's it's just a great place to go visit, whether you're picking up a dinner on demand or coming by to purchase a kitchen product or take a class. It's a great, it's really a great space. Let's talk, this is, this is the part that I'm really excited about. You have, fairly recently, you have licensed uh, a line, a kitchen line. Tell us about all that. Well, it's called the Kitchen Boa, and it's really a reinvention of the kitchen tea towel or the kitchen towel. Um, I grew up throwing my and watching my mom and grandma throw their tea towel over their shoulder when they cook. And whenever I say that to people, I get a lot of head nods. Like, yeah, I know, I do that, or my grandma did that. And when you're working in a commercial setting in front of people all the time, and we have open kitchens and, you know, hands-on and everything, you can't really do that. You can't have that close to your hair. So we developed this um, product that is basically, it goes around your neck like a boa, like a feather boa would, and there are two tea towels at the end on either side. And that's the simplified version of what it is. But honestly, it is a simple reinvention um, that has, has really taken off. Um, it was how it, how it got to where it is now is like this. We sold it and produced it ourselves for about the last five years. And my uh, boyfriend's 84-year-old grandmother does all the sewing of these. So in addition to... Uh, creating a product, we're also helping an elderly woman uh, have an income, which is really exciting. She lives in St. Joe. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, fast forward, um, we have been hosting a company, a giftware and uh, housewares um, company here in town for three years doing a fairly large uh, uh, team building and one of our All Hands for Hunger um, models where you create food for local charities. And it's, this was a year ago, December, so it would have been 2015. And the head of the product development uh, came over to me and said, gosh, those are cool. Where do you get those? And I said, oh, that's funny. We make them. And he said, can I give you a call? And I said, sure. And that's how it started. Then in uh, in June, uh, fast forward to June of that year, of last year, and uh, I find a license agreement with them for 16 designs. And now we're we're looking at two other lines that are coming out and more right behind them. Yeah, it, it's all happened so fast. It's really, it really quite has. phenomenal. So these kitchen boas, you were just making them, uh, you know, at, at kind of as the, the the kitchen store would support them, the sales through that. And were, you were selling them online too, were you? I yes. Okay. Yes, we do. We sell them, we sell them well. online. Yeah, and they're, everyone is different. So we, we have someone who works for us. Her name is Libby, who sources all the fabric and the and the tea towels and the, and the pieces and then puts them together and then those – pieces are taken to um, the seamstress and she sews them. So it's always something different. Uh, they're seasonal. They, we may have some camo. We may have roosters, teapots, uh, wine. It, they're all over the place. So we're able to really offer a variety most of the time. What, yeah. what Demdeco did, which is the company that we licensed to, they um, with, 
she, they and myself designed 16 um, SKUs or 16 designs as the initial uh, group, and that's what is selling nationwide and in Canada. Okay, and you you also have uh, a kids line. You, you mentioned all kinds of different designs there, but you and they're all a little bit different. But you've got kids line, you've got something for everybody, a men's line, and even uh, a seasonal or a holiday line too. I believe you have a Christmas line. So um, those all, all are different. Ex- go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say those are actually the men's line and the Christmas line through Demdeco are not are coming out in the next two two to three months. Okay. But all we right. also now, have them. Go ahead. Who who is manufacturing these now? Are you still having um, your boyfriend's eighty four year old <laughs> mother do this? Or no, no. That's what's so neat about this whole process is that when you license a product, um, you have to prove you have to be able to warrant that that product is yours. So I did have to trademark. Um, the concept, and we did do that. We actually just received the final registration on that. It takes a long time to do that. And uh, then then you work with them, but they use their expertise, their distribution channels, and their manufacturing connections. So these okay. are actually being made in India. Okay. So, uh, you of course, you're selling so many of them now that <laughs> how are sales going, by the way? <laughs> They're... Our sales have always been brisk for the ones in the kitchen shop. We've never had a time when we we didn't um, sell several, uh, you know, during the day, during any day. But um, what's happening nationwide, and they've been giving me reports, is that these are really going well. Uh, we're in 1,200 what they call rooftops, and they are far surpassing um, any sales quotas that they thought they would would uh, would make by this point. So um, we are actively creating these new designs. It's it's crazy. There's actually accessories that are yeah. licensed with it as well, which makes it kind of fun too because you can. We're starting to look at different variations. Well, I know that one of the accessories is a magnetic hook, if you will, that you can hang the boa on in your kitchen, or you can hang a dog leash or other things. Did these come about just out of necessity as you were using? the boas or did you sit down and think what else could go with this how did, how did the accessories come about well what's kind of fun about this whole process is that um, it allows it allows me to just throw creative ideas at them and then they use the expertise of knowing what won't will or won't work in out in the market and then they say well wait a second let's take a look at that one and then we drill down and then they come back with designs based on what they know would work. And so these are coordinating with the current line of boas, that kitchen boas that are out there. And we are actually in the process of talking about other ideas like pot holders and silicone spoons that go with it and, and pockets and places to put your phone. And I mean, it's, it's really been fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I, you know, I, I want to ask you, you started out with this fairly simple idea uh, following your passion of teaching people how to cook, making it a fun experience, not an elite experience, but a fun experience. Mm-hmm. And over the years, you have, you know, you've morphed into the team building, into the kitchen store, so now you're a retailer and you've got inventory to manage and a whole new set of uh, challenges that, or, and stuff that you have to learn. And, and then you're, uh, the dinner's on demand, you've got food to go, uh, you're a restaurant to an extent, and then... Now you've got a whole product line. How how does this develop? How do you keep up with that? And 
it's all been successful, unless I don't know about things that weren't, maybe. <laughs> it sounds like everything you touch turns to gold. So so how have you been able to uh, manage that growth? Because so often it's when people, when entrepreneurs start getting away from their core business and, and have these diversions that things start to go awry, you know, their focus mm-hmm. shifts and nothing goes well. So how have you been able to expand into all these different areas and manage that growth so that you've stayed successful? Well, that is, that's a question that a lot of entrepreneurs have to, have to try and answer. Uh, for me, to me, it is controlled growth. Um, a lot of folks, when they have an idea, think if, if that one's good, another one's got to be better. And I have to admit, I always struggle with um, trying to go in several directions. Um, but for me, it has been uh, very much controlled. But the other, the other aspect of it is that you, as an entrepreneur, you don't want to miss an opportunity that comes your way because you're trying to stay focused with your blinders on in your zone, not to say you shouldn't stay in your zone. And I, I kind of uh, describe it as having a lot of horses in the barn. And when you take them out for a walk, you know, you're riding one, but you're trying to control the others. And it is a challenge sometimes. Um, and I, I, won't, I won't say that it's not or that I don't struggle with that. But um, I think it boils down to organization. Um, I'm lucky to be kind of a right brain and left brain person. You have to be highly organized. You have to um, work with people who you trust that will take those ideas and run with you. And you have to trust your gut. And, you know, jump on the opportunity if it comes out. You know, being being a uh, recovering lawyer as I am, <laughs> I, it's, it is, I will admit that, that I can kind of fly a little bit higher on some things because, like, for example, with the trademark, I kind of knew the big picture of what that took. But I sure. didn't try to do that myself. I, I got help with that. And um, that you can't do everything and you can't be everything. Right. And so it, it goes back to, like you said, organization, trust. Um, you're a little bit left-brained, left brain, right-brained. But also you have to be able, along with that trust, you have to be able to delegate because uh, yeah. you try to do it all yourself and you're going to burn out and you're, you know, you're just not going to do everything well. And you don't know as an entrepreneur. You might think you're saving some money, but you, you don't know how to do things as well as the professional you should have hired to do it. And that they can so do it true. faster and better. So, that is so, so true. All, you, yeah, all great you know, advice there. Yeah, well, I think the other thing to keep in mind that I didn't mention is you have to you have to keep good records. You have to have good data because you have to know when to let go of something if it's not doing what it needs to do. And yeah. you know, the dinners on demand is a good example. We started that as as a program that was kind of like the dream dinner super suppers where people come and make food and take it home. Yeah. And I saw that coming in from both coasts and this was several years ago. But we decided that was, it was very successful, but we decided that it was um, a real drain on the rest of our business model because we were holding so much inventory and it was taking so much time. So we, we got rid of um, that part of the, of the dinners on demand and just kept the fact that people really wanted the food. So right. it worked into the business model. You have to be willing to say goodbye to things. Our, our Tuesday lunch is another example. Yeah. We loved it. It served the purpose, but we had to be able to say goodbye to it because it was getting in the way of other things. We're going to do pop-ups right. on those, though. 
Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, but yeah. there's an opportunity cost involved. You might be making money on whatever the new thing is that you introduced, and you think that it's going really well, but you also have to look and see how it's impacting sales and revenue on the uh, other things that you're doing, and, and there could be an opportunity cost there where it's hurting them. Now, one a couple of the things that we didn't talk about, you've written two cookbooks, is it two? Is that right? Uh, two, yeah, two two editions, uh, The Best Recipes of the Culinary Center of Kansas City. And uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and then those are available in your shop and online, right? Um, actually, just the second one. The first one is completely okay. out of print, um, but, so just the second one. Okay, and then you also work with uh, some of the other entrepreneurs here in town. The one I'm thinking of specifically is a soap maker and retailer named Emily Voss, who has a company called Indigo Wild, and you've partnered with her. And tell us about that. Well, Emily's a good friend of mine, and uh, we we talk about a lot of things business related. And one day I called her up and I said, I have an idea. Would you consider co-branding or partnering with me? You have the expertise on, on in the soap department. I know what I want it to do, and um, I'd like to be able to, to work with you on that. And she says, you know what, absolutely. So we did that. We talked about packaging. We designed the packaging. She designed the, the soap that we needed. And now we have um, uh, it, we have it online and also in our store. Yeah, so so there's a lot of that that goes on, I think, in Kansas City, especially in the culinary space where some of the, the entrepreneurs work together, and it's always so fun to see that. You know, this time has gone so fast. I have so many other questions I'd like to ask you, but uh, in winding up here, what would be a piece of advice that you would give to entrepreneurs who are in that growth mode right now? What What would you tell them to look out for and to be careful about, and where would you tell them to just plow forward? I would tell them to uh, to get a lot of good advice from people around them. Ask for it from people who've been around a while because those folks are very often comfortable giving that advice. And a lot of times younger entrepreneurs are afraid to ask for it, that they're going to bother them, that folks really like to give back. Um, I would also tell them to um, to plan ahead, to create that business model or that business plan but as they say, the day after you make it, don't be tied to it. Um, uh, watch out for opportunities. Um, make good uh, data um, compilations and know what your business is doing at all times. Uh, I think entrepreneurs sometimes get caught up in the excitement and forget that this is pushing a rock up the hill and that the momentum won't happen until you're able to get the rock up the hill, and that takes a long time sometimes. Yes, it certainly can. Uh, Laura, where can we find out more about the Culinary Center? What's your website? It's kcculinary.com, and you'll also find that the Kitchen Boa and then our Kitchen Soap and then the cookbook and some other products online, as well as that's where you can register for classes as well. Okay. Uh, thank you for all that you're doing in the community, too. We really didn't have time to go into that, but I just want to personally thank you for everything you're doing to uh, uh, help with the uh, Overland, downtown Overland Park and everything that's going on there because uh, it's, some of that's probably on your website as well. I imagine some of those events and so forth. Well, Kelly, that's, um, I, I believe strongly in being a part of the village that you are you work in, and that is an exceptional area. It's It's I've been there 20 years now, 
and it is experiencing growth right now. So what's really important to those local retailers, including myself, is to keep things unique, to keep them things entrepreneurial, and to really harness the power of what's happening there so that everybody can do better and we can provide services that are needed in that area. Absolutely. Well, thank you for all you do, and best of luck with this new product line that you're uh, developing with Demdeco. I'm going to be watching it. It's really exciting. And in the meantime, everybody can go to Casey or say say your website again. I'm sorry, I don't want to. Hey, miss that's that. okay. CaseyCulinary.com. Okay, CaseyCulinary.com. Go out there and really, it's a recap of everything that we talked about today, and you can get all the <laughs> products and sign up for classes, like she said, in a newsletter. You have a newsletter that they can sign up for, yeah, too, right? Yeah, thank you so much, Kelly. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. And uh, if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at IThinkBigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at IThinkBigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.